what you want. You can get it. He's out here making plays like that. I'll make sure I keep kissing him on the cheek. You play in championship level games. Another Alabama touchdown. Touchdown. Here's the The margin for error is going to get extremely small. Two point conversion. He is stopped. Oh, 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 Welcome to pent up Penn State energy. We've been playing championship level football all year long, and it's great to have football back in Happy Valley. Another wild weekend of college football. Hello, everybody, and welcome to College Football Live. I'm Wendy Nix with Harry Lyles Jr. and David Pollock. Coming up, we'll tell you why Georgia's defense may be historically good. But first, we take a look at the AP Top 10 from this week, brought to you by Goodyear. With Alabama and Georgia taking the number one and two spots, respectively, Oregon, Oklahoma, and Iowa round out the top five. But some notable changes include Clemson dropping three spots from last week's poll, as well as Ohio State dipping from nine to ten. Here's some of the reasons why some of the top teams struggled this weekend despite getting in the win column. We start off with Alabama, who led 21 to 3 after the first quarter, but allowed the Gators to come roaring back and make it a two-point game in the fourth quarter. That's Alabama and Florida. Then we head to Death Valley, where it was Clemson who struggled to get going. That was against Georgia Tech. Davo Sweeney's squad narrowly escaped with a 14-8 win against the unranked Yellow Jackets. How about the Buckeyes? They also had a bit of a scare with the non-conference opponent Tulsa. Ryan Day's team led 13 at 6 at halftime. That was their worst halftime point differential against a non-Power 5 team since 2015. And finally, the Sooners kept it close in their first conference game of the season, edging out Nebraska 23-16 to approve to 3-0. The 23-point score, the lowest Oklahoma has recorded under Lincoln Riley. So they get the job done, but not necessarily in deciding fashion, David. So when you look at these top 10 teams, which one has you most concerned going forward? Clemson. I think Clemson's offense, offensive line, quarterback play, running back, uh, wide receiver, all of it working together is just – it's not Clemson-like, um, so it's been, it's been a struggle, and I, and I don't know. They can fix it, and they can get it going in the right direction, but it's just been a struggle to start watching the season. It's just so un- <coughs> excuse me, so uncharacteristic, and it's not going to be a high-flying offense like we've seen in the past by the end of the season, but it's got to be a better-than-good offense at the end of the season with all the um, speed and highly recruited guys they have with, and with Shipley and DJ Uwe Ungalale. So I, I think it's Clemson for me. Yeah, David, Clemson uh, was a, a close choice for me, but I'm going with Ohio State. Usually, it seems like Ohio State, even in their best years, you know, they kind of played down to their competition on offense. And obviously, C.J. Stroud, a young quarterback, he's had some whips here. But with that defense, they are giving up hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of yards against teams that they probably shouldn't be doing that against. Obviously, they, they switched defensive play callers this past week. Kerry Combs gave them up to Matt Barnes. It didn't look a whole lot better for them against Tulsa, and the one thing that saved them offensively was their run game. Now, when they get to Big Ten play, they're not going to be able to win games that way. Now, 
I, I think the Big Ten is a little bit better than it was last year, so I, I think that is why I have a little bit more of a cause of concern for Ohio State. But unless they're able to kind of fix a little bit of everything, I, I think Ohio State has a lot to worry about. Harry, let me ask you this. There's two sides to this coin because these teams, you know, look, let's be clear. They did win on Saturday. So among these top-ranked teams, who do you have the most confidence in uh, despite maybe you could call it a shaky start? You know, I don't even know necessarily that they had a shaky start, and my answer here is not quite interesting, but I'm going with Alabama, right? I mean, like, until they prove otherwise that they're not going to, you know, progressively get better as the season goes along, I think that, you know, even though they've shown some kind of signs of weakness, they should still feel pretty confident. I think that this Florida team is a little bit better than people are giving them credit for. Obviously, you know, there's a bunch of new pieces with this Alabama team. Yes, they're incredibly talented. Yes, they bring in, you know, the, the most talent year in and year out. And we just, at this point, expect them to reload, which is the greatest compliment that you can give to a head coach like Nick Saban. And of course, speaking of which, he still is their head coach. I think that, you know, a lot of coaches are able to point out the <laughs> things that is. they need to improve with their squad. He is better at getting their guys to execute them. And that's why I've got Alabama. He is, but if you're asking me if I'm confident in any of them, the answer is no, Wendy. I'm not overly confident in anything. I mean, Oklahoma's giving me pause. Spencer Rattler giving me a little bit pause. I need to see him be a little bit more patient, take the check down. Um, when, I, when I look at Ohio State, obviously we've laid out their flaws. I look at Alabama. They definitely looked a lot more human. The running game disappeared in the second half. If they didn't jump out to a great start, I would have wondered what that game looked like. Um, so, you still got Clemson with, with their flaws. So I, I think everybody's flawed. This is great, by the way. This is awesome for college football because at this point we're like, all right, Alabama and Clemson, we know they're in, Wendy. Let's talk about the other teams. That's what we do every year at this time. So this is daggum awesome that we get this opportunity to say everybody's got flaws. Maybe anybody can win on any given Saturday. That is beautiful. I think it's fantastic. And listen, I'm a Clemson fan, but I could not agree more. In terms of college football, this is what we want to see, that sort of parity that we haven't seen in quite some time. Let's see how it plays out. I will tell you, you say you're not, you don't have confidence in anybody. I, I might take exception to that because I'm going to assure you, I'm guessing anyway, uh, that you have plenty of confidence in this Georgia defense. Listen, the Bulldogs, uh, unlike some of these other teams, have really looked strong. Now, they got a long ways to go, I recognize, but they continue their perfect start to the season with a big win over South Carolina. The Dogs' defense shined once again, allowing just 296 total yards, forcing two turnovers against the Gamecocks. They've only allowed 23 total points all season long. Now, the Dogs have been one of the most dominant defensive teams in the country this season, holding opponents to just under eight points a game and under 220 yards of total offense per outing. Both of those numbers, the third best in the FBS, Kirby Smart squads registering the second highest rated defense per ESPN's FBI. This was a befuddled, I love that word, Shane Beamer after the loss to Georgia. Shane, obviously they've got a really good defensive line over there. Just what were they doing to maybe make things physical on the offensive side and, and maybe being able to get a push? Who, what, who was doing? Uh, Georgia's a defensive line. What were they doing to maybe make things difficult on the offense? Uh, they've got like a hundred five-star football players on their defense. They are, they have a defensive lineman that weighs 340 pounds and, and runs better than everybody on this call. Uh, they've got five-star defensive backs. They're big and physical and fast. I mean, 
other than that, they're really freaking good. That's why they have the top defense in the country. They're hard to run the football on. So there wasn't some magical scheme they came out with tonight. They got five-star recruits everywhere, and they play really physical. Damn. <laughs> I love – you know, we give coaches a hard time sometimes for not, for not being candid. That's about as candid as it gets. And the, the, the ironic thing about this, David, is that he's not wrong. Is this Georgia defense historically no. good? I'm not ready to go there yet, um, but I'll say this. It's trending in that direction. But I, I'll tell you what, the back end haven't really been tested yet. Like, we thought Clemson was going to be a test, but apparently they can't score against anybody at any of the Georgia universities. Georgia, Georgia Tech, I mean, they struggled to score against Georgia Tech this past weekend. So I, I'm not ready to go there yet, but what I see from the defensive line and the front seven, just the front seven, you know, you're talking about big Jordan Davis, Trayvon Walker, uh, Jalen Carter, Channing Tindale, uh, Quay Walker, Nicobe Dean, Adam Anderson, Nolan Smith. The list goes on and on and on of great players who do versatile, who, do, who does multiple things. That's what makes it so hard, Wendy. So many guys that can do so many different things, whether it's rush the passer, whether it's coverage, whether you're big, huge, physical guy that can two-gap or just slap you in the face and run by you and go get the quarterback. So the front seven has proven <laughs> it is as dominant as we've seen in a long time. The back half will be tested throughout the season and, and have to prove that it belongs in the elite of elite. Yeah, David, I don't think I could say it any better than that, honestly. They, they've shown, I mean, shoot, you and I were both on the field for the Clemson game, and I think by the third quarter I realized, hey, if I need a bathroom break, I can do it while Clemson's on offense. They, they were not allowing anything. They are fast. They are physical. They wrap up well. You know, I, I'm also with you in terms of I'm not necessarily ready to say that they are historically good, but like you said, it's, it's trending that way. And if you look at their schedule, we are certainly going to find out if they're able to kind of continue to keep this thing rolling the way they are. And I, I think that they will. You know, they were a great defense last year. Obviously, they had some pieces that they had to replace coming into 2021. And I think so far, it, there's been promise there at the very worst, right? So I, I think that we're going to continue to see a dominant Georgia defense, and which is going to be great for them if their offense is going to be up and down. Well, listen, the Bulldogs have Vandy next weekend. Then it gets interesting after that. My favorite part of the, the whole thing, though, he says, Frank Weaver, other than that, they're really freaking good. Everybody's good, and other than that, they're really freaking good. Listen, uh, we'll see, but that Georgia defense uh, off to a pretty solid start. Still to come on College Football Live, we're doing a little buy or sell, which 3-0 teams are legit, which are not, and then a whiteout on Saturday. In Happy Valley, Penn State took down Auburn. How much of a threat can the Lions be in the Big Ten? Time now for our BMW Ultimate Performance, and it belongs to Penn State in a rare trip. For an SEC team to Beaver Stadium, the Nittany Lions defeated Auburn 28-20. Sean Clifford was efficient for Penn State, throwing for 280 yards and two scores while the defense did its job. The Lions are now 3-0 and have moved up to sixth in the AP poll. But, Harry, you know, realistically, how big of a threat is Penn State in the Big Ten East, a division that also includes Ohio State and Michigan? 
think they're a threat. Every year this starts with one question. What does Ohio State look like? At least the past 10 years, right? Obviously, Michigan is looking better this year, but if Penn State is able to put games together like they did on Saturday, right, your defense, we know what they're getting out the defense. The defense is going to be good. It's going to give offenses a hard time. If Sean Clifford can produce these types of games that we know he's capable of on a consistent basis, Penn State is 100% a contender in the Big Ten East, and I think at worst a top 10 team in the country. But obviously, as we've seen with this particular group of guys, because there's a lot of turnover from last season, just like there is for everybody else in the country, they haven't been able to do that. So the question is, are they going to? But I do think that they're a threat. They, they are a threat, absolutely. Usually at the end, at the beginning of every season, we go, okay, Ohio State, and then there's everybody else. I'll tell you this, I think Michigan's a threat, but you're right, the defense flies around. They play a ton of guys. I would argue they play as many guys as anybody in the country. Um, they're, they're physical. They got great secondary play from the back end. I, I think this team's legit. Clifford was the guy you mentioned. Had a great day. Threw for 285 against Auburn. He'll see better defenses along the way, but not much better. To see that improvement from him tells me 100% they're going to be in the mix. And once again, I would argue this is good for college football. That was a fun game to watch and certainly an electric atmosphere in Happy Valley. All right, we have some surprising 3-0 teams. There's been a lot of surprises in this young season. So we're going to play a little buy or sell with these 3-0 teams. And when I say if you're buying, let's say about nine wins, okay, buying or selling in terms of a nine-win season. And we'll start with Michigan State. They went to Coral Gables as seven-point underdogs. They Upset Miami on Saturday. Sparty now 20th in the AP pool. They host Nebraska on Saturday. Uh, David, are you buying or selling with regards to Sparty in a nine-win season? I'm selling. Um, I tell you what, Wendy. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna. I got the schedule right here. I had to write it down. Western Kentucky, Kentucky, and Purdue will get nice you work. to five and zero. So now tell me, Wendy. Tell me where the other four wins are. You got Maryland, yes. Penn State, Michigan, Nebraska, and Ohio State. You got to win four of those games. I could see them winning at most three of those games. Three. I think Sparty's an eight-win team. Two, by, yeah. By the way, I, I would agree. That's a great season. That's a great season for Michigan State, and, and that's a rebirth. That's a. They look good. Their offense looks good. So I, I think they're an eight-win team, Harry. I think they're under the nine. Yeah, David, I'm right there with you. You pointed out the games. Uh, I think you. I think Michigan State is at the point where the fans should want them to be at in this year, right? They were really bad last year. They've shown a lot of improvement. They probably are a seven or an eight win team, and I think that their fans would probably take that at this point. Dang right. Don't look now, everybody. David Pollock doing his homework. Look at that, David, with your little handwritten notes there. Good job. <laughs> Okay, let's move on to the SEC, uh, and we'll talk. We'll talk about Arkansas. Uh, no surprise, they beat Georgia Southern on Saturday, but the Hawks are three and zero. That includes a win over Texas in Week Two, a huge matchup for Arkansas this week in Jerry's World when they face Texas A&M. That's going to be a good game. David Pollock buying or selling again a nine-win season, the benchmark here. By the way, if you thought those names sound bad for what you heard from Michigan State, I'm giving Arkansas, Arkansas, Pine Bluff, and Missouri. They're 5-0. and oh. So, all right, kids, play along the Four of these. So listen to this. Alabama, Georgia, Ole Miss, Auburn, LSU, A&M. I need four of those to get the nine. 
No way. If they beat LSU, that's a that's a heck of a season. If they give Ole Miss a scare with a rebuild de defense, I don't see it. I see Arkansas. By the way, again, this is positive for them going in the right direction with Sam Pittman, but ain't no way in heck they get in the Yep, David, you're absolutely right. It's not happening for them. Uh, look at all those games on that schedule. I mean, you know, we talked about what, uh, you know, Michigan State had to deal with. Arkansas, look, you've had a great beginning of your season. I think that this is just about anybody could have asked for. Sam Pittman's doing a great job. They've shown improvement. But this is a lot more to do with your schedule than more than your football team necessarily. Uh, so, you know, nine wins, I mean, uh, maybe over the next two years with that kind of scheduling, but not, not this year. <laughs> Attaboy. <laughs> I, I was going to say, so you're saying there's a chance, but you're clearly saying there is no chance, so that won't even work. Uh, all right, listen, I'm trying to get a buy here, so let's go to the Big 12, shall we? Talk a little Kansas State. Again, looking at some surprising 3-0 teams, buying or selling. K-State took care of Carson Strong in Nevada. They improved to 3-0, made their debut in the AP Bowl. Congrats, by the way. Number 25, they face another unbeaten team on Saturday, and that would be Oklahoma State. David Pollock, buying or selling on K-State. Man, I am Debbie Downer over here. I feel really bad about this. No, I don't. All right, I'm going to sell. You, you look at them. I'm, I'm going to give them 4-0, by the way, with Texas Tech. And now you got to beat, again, we got to find five more wins. OU, TCU, Texas, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, and West Virginia. Um, there's just, just a lot of teams that could beat you on any given day. You're on your backup quarterback already. I like your defense. I like Deuce Vaughn. I just I don't think there's any way you come close to getting to that mark with that schedule. Yeah, David, I, I'm with you. I, I, like, I think Kansas State has one thing going for them, and it's that they play in the Big 12. So could they accidentally like win nine games? Sure, but like, I, I don't think realistically <laughs> think that's going to happen, right? I, I mean. It's, it's been a great start for them. It's, it's a good story, but when you do look at that schedule, I, I think that you have to be pretty optimistic and hope that, you know, they play above their pay grade, if you will, if they were going to pull out nine. So I am also going to be a Debbie Downer here, and I am selling hard on Kansas State. Hmm. There's nothing like the accidental nine-win season. Hey, you know what, though, guys? Let's be clear. This is not bad news for any of these teams. These, they're all poised to have really solid seasons, and we hope to see that continue again after a pretty good 3-0 starts. Well, we shall see. Uh, it was a wild weekend. I, I wasn't kidding. And coming up, we'll take a look at our weekend stars. Who impressed us in week three, and who can keep that momentum going as we look ahead? When them fly down, them won't be fun. But you're too tame. I ain't for the south, but I appreciate the wood grain. Never calling me about the noise, it's only two. Man, I'm in the same building, but the flows and view change. I ain't for the waiting now. I bought a Rari and I did it. Saturday night football in Norman this week. West Virginia faces Heisman hopeful quarterback Spencer Rattler, a number four Oklahoma. That's 7:30 Eastern on ABC and the ESPN app. Right now, though, time for a little segment we call Weekend Stars. Uh, we're going to talk about a team or a player that impressed us in week three. Also, tell me, David and Harry, why you expect it might continue going forward. David, I'll start with you. The Florida Gators. I know they lost. I know, I know. But I'll tell you what, 
I was I was impressed with what I saw. They held the Alabama to 91 yards rushing, outgained them by over 110 yards. Like this is this was an impressive, especially the way they started. It was 21 to six before you could blink. And they fought back and gave Alabama all they could handle. I don't think Florida's going anywhere. I think they did a really good job this weekend, and I think they'll continue that throughout the season. David, I'm going with Fresno State here. Look, they were obviously a pick early in the season to upset Oregon. They didn't do it, but they did hang with them. And then obviously this weekend they beat UCLA, one of the hot teams from early in the season. I love this team. Jake Hayner was playing through some pain. Great quarterback. At the very worst, they've shown that they could hang with every single team in the Pac-12. I think that they should be the favorites in the Mountain West. Speaking of Pac-12 South champions, ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for the BYU Cougars, baby. Arizona, they gone. Arizona State, <laughs> they gone. Beat Utah, they gone. BYU, what a start to the season. Jaron Hall is an absolute star. How do you replace a guy, a quarterback, an all-time great quarterback, top 10 pick from a year ago? Jaron Hall running around, making plays. BYU, congratulations on the start. And Harry, they ain't going nowhere. They ain't. And you know who else ain't going anywhere? DJ Graham. This interception, look. I understand that he probably shouldn't have grabbed that football because of, uh, you know, field position matters. I do not care. This play was incredible. It is an extension showing of how Odell Beckham's catch in 2014 on Sunday Night Football changed the game. And it was just an incredible, incredible play. These are the types of plays that Oklahoma is going to be making during the season if they are going to contend for the college football playoff. All right, I got you one. Coastal Carolina, way to go. You mass up next. 17th in the AP pool. We're back tomorrow. They barely beat Buffalo.